This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, November 18th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. Utah has medical cannabis, while more than a dozen states still do not. So how did this traditionally conservative state do it, and why is it reasonable to think that, at least for Utah, a robust medical program may be the long-run steady state for cannabis policy? And most importantly, how well is their program serving patients? Molly Davis is executive director of the Utah Cannabis Association and a policy analyst at the Libertas Institute. We talked about medical cannabis in the Beehive State. In 2018, Utah passed medical cannabis. And I think that surprised a lot of people, uh, given the reputation that Utah has. This was at least a little surprising. So what was, uh, in terms of getting it over the hump, what was the thing? What what made this a salient, uh, valuable issue for voters? You're absolutely right that in Utah it was unexpected because our, our state is made up of supermajority conservatives who are largely part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And one thing that really helped is with how medical and patient-focused this whole campaign really was. We didn't appeal to the recreational arguments at all. We really made it about taking the pain away from those who are suffering. And in that conversation, we were able to eventually get uh, the approval of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and they ended up putting in their handbook that it was okay for their members to use as medicine with doctor approval, which made a lot of Utahns feel far more comfortable with it, and it really uh, pushed it past the finish line, and we got it fully implemented in 2019. Okay. Well, how does it compare with other states in terms of what are allowable uses, uh, the relationship that the uh, groups, you know, you have di- Utah has its own names for what would be called a dispensary in in, uh, in other states. Uh, you know, how does it differ? Our program is probably one of the most robust medical programs that exist in in the United States. Like you said, we don't call our uh, retail dispensaries by that name. We call them pharmacies because it's a place where people go and get medicine. Uh, We don't call the workers there bud tenders as they do in some other states, but rather pharmacy agents because um, everything about this program is medical, including all the way down to the terminology um, that we use to describe all these things because we want it to be uh, replicable as closely as possible to a traditional pharmacological model. So, uh what are the ranges of ailments for which people can apply? What is the relationship between physicians? Is it a recommendation? Is it a prescription? Under federal law, the doctors still have to write a recommendation. They're not legally allowed to write a prescription. Uh, But um, doctors, they have to go through a couple-hour training course to be qualified to prescribe medical cannabis in Utah, and they have a list of uh, pre-qualifying conditions that are legislatively approved um, that they can give medical cannabis for. Um, and so that list is pretty comparable to what most states have right now. Um, I think one of the main pushback from the patient's advocates in Utah 
is that they would like to have this list removed and leave it completely up to the doctors um, and their discretion and what's best for patients. Okay, so that's a that's a policy change that is yet to be put together. Right, right. I would say that's one of um, one of the big pushbacks coming from not only medical professionals such as doctors and uh, pharmacists within the pharmacies, but also the patient groups as well. Okay, so uh, for uh, there are a lot of states that have not legalized uh, cannabis for any purpose, uh, let alone medical. What is what are the lessons? Uh, you think, from Utah to these other states that religiously conservative states that uh, otherwise probably would move ahead with this kind of uh, program? The main lesson is that I understand recreational cannabis is important to a lot of people. I think there's a lot of anger among certain communities who believe that cannabis shouldn't result in incrimination. So nobody should sit in a jail cell or have Um, large fines for smoking a plant that they've smoked for centuries. Uh, But, and this was my old mindset as well, but now I've come around to understand that medicine is really the most important part of cannabis because there are so many people who are struggling who could really use the help of medical cannabis. And when we make it patient-focused and medically-focused, that's really when these people, this group of people who maybe are apprehensive about cannabis, have some, some fears about, you know, the Um, the stereotypes of being a stoner and then it makes you lazy and then it's this illegal, illicit thing. Um, If you make it about patients and medicine, a lot of those fears can go away because we can show people how it really helps. Um, I know this was... this changed for me when I started to explore some of the patient stories in Utah. So, There's a Provo mom of four. Her name is Megan Keller. She's been very uh, public about her story in Utah. She used to suffer 30 seizures every single day, and she had pretty bad epilepsy. It made it impossible for her to work, to drive. She was completely dependent on her kids and her husband to even function day to day. She couldn't even bathe alone. And thanks to medical cannabis, she has not had a seizure for over two years now. She's working two jobs. She has her life back. She can drive. She has a way better relationship with her family and friends. And it's been, it's been incredible for her. And these are the kind of stories that we need to focus on when creating policies because it's truly life-changing. What about law enforcement? Uh, because they're... You know, many of these stories about people who are getting medical cannabis, um, these are people who, under current laws in many states, would be committing, if not a misdemeanor, maybe a felony. Yeah, law enforcement has really come a long way and been great um, on the program in Utah. Many of them have come and toured the pharmacies, toured the cultivations, really done well in uh, doing their part to understand the law. 
Uh, but you do have a lot of pre-existing notions um, because of how it was criminalized for so long. I think some it's going to take a while for the cultural changes, not only in law enforcement, but in conservative communities to change. But I think how we how we get there is by being open and honest and discussing um, how cannabis can really change laws. And I would say even in recreational states or states where it's not legal right now, we know that thousands of people are using it, and many of those are using it to, as medicine to treat their ailments already. For many states, it seems like the steady state is ultimately going to be legal cannabis for adults, and we've got dispensaries and that sort of thing. I don't get that sense from Utah, um, and I don't get that sense from a lot of other states. Do you suspect that this is where Utah is going to be for quite a while, or will there come sooner than later a push to fully uh, decriminalize and legalize cannabis. I think you're absolutely right. Nationwide, eventually, there will be a push to decriminalize or even legalize recreational. Uh, but right now in Utah, we are only focused on medical cannabis. The operators fully understand that. The legislators have good, done a good job to preserve that. Senator Vickers has really done a great job spearheading this initiative in Utah and making it the best, most robust medical program that exists because I think some of them recognize that with the inevitable future of recreational cannabis, we want to ensure that that marketplace doesn't destroy the legitimacy of the medical marketplace. And so we're doing what we can to really make it a great program for when that time comes. Molly Davis is a policy analyst at the Libertas Institute and runs the Utah Cannabis Association. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.